Napoleon once said, when asked to explain the lack of great statesmen in the world, that to get power, you need to display absolute pettiness. To exercise power, you need to show true greatness. Such pettiness and such greatness are rarely found in one person. I look upon the events of the past weeks, and I've never come so to grips with that quotation. For ladies and gentlemen of this Congress, it pains my soul to tell you that you have brought blood and shame under this great dome. Your leadership has raised the stakes of hate to a level where we can no longer separate the demagogue from the truly inspired. And believe this, there are traitors among us. And I'm not talking about those of you who sided against your party leadership. I'm talking about those of you who were patriots to your party, but traitors to the necessary end result, that of righteousness, the truth. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from uh, The Contender, which is uh, about a president who's nominating a female vice president after his vice president passes away, and the politics around trying to keep people from seeing the truth for a political end. And uh, I just think that is exactly what we're seeing. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today and a lot about what I'm talking about almost every week now is the is the illusion out there. And then that song was uh, Damn Yankees, um, Someone to Believe. And I think, you know, what I went to I went to uh, Loma Linda for a, a doctor's appointment on Thursday and I walk up, I walk up, I've got my mask on. And uh, they take my they take my temperature, ask me a bunch of questions, then they give me a cleared sticker to put on my shirt. It says I've cleared security to go in there. So I get upstairs and I'm talking to the nurse, and I'm saying, "So, what do you think about this uh, coronavirus thing? Is it real?" They go, "Well, I don't know. You know, it's gotta. It just it just you know, it's just it's. I'm getting used to working with a mask on and." And I said, well, it doesn't seem very crowded. And I'm, a, I'm at the doctor's office across the street from the hospital. And she said, I said, well, how many people are there? Is the hospital full of coronavirus 
uh, patients. And she goes, I think there's about 16 or 18 total. Has anybody died? She goes, I don't think so. And I'm thinking Loma Linda University Medical Center is a big hospital. It's a big, famous hospital. They've got 16 or 18 people. Um, then I talked to, I talked to uh, uh, a realtor friend of mine that has a, has knows someone who works around, does some security stuff or something around Cedar sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills and said, they don't have, there's no crowds there. You know, the, the talking about the, the lines of people trying to get in to see doctors, it's not there. And then uh, we have a family member who's a nurse at Riverside Medical Clinic, and she says, it's empty. What are we to believe is going on here, folks? I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that it's, I don't know that this thing is real. I think it's a, I think, you know, the more I think about it and you know, what's the difference between what, what I'm seeing, what everybody else is seeing. Hey, you know what? I think about what I see on TV and I think about what I saw a month ago and I hear about, think about here are things I heard on the radio. And then I look and then I stop and I go, what is this all about? What is this all about? Is, is this coronavirus thing real? I mean, I understand it's real to the fact that it's, it's, it's dangerous. But do we need to shut down the whole economy for this? Do we really need? Oh, it's, is it really? You know, the, I heard that twenty-five percent of all the all the victims, all the all the deaths, are in nursing homes. Well, you have a bunch of people that are in nursing homes that already have have medical issues, and they get it. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, uh, Elizabeth Warren's. Uh, there was big news. That Elizabeth Warren's brother died of, of coronavirus on uh, Thursday or Wednesday. He was eighty-three. You know what happens when you're in your 80s and you get anything? It's dangerous. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm looking for someone I can believe. Like the song says, Tommy Shaw, damn Yankees. So anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up some thought-provoking stuff for you today. I'm going to tell you what's going on in this country, and I'm going to tell you my opinion of it because everybody's entitled to their opinion, and uh, everybody's entitled to mine as well since I have the microphone. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, give you my take on what I see, and then you can put it into your brain and say, hmm, does this make sense? Does it make sense to me? Because you know what? The, the, the media is focused on what kind of thoughts they can put in your head to steer, to steer you away from other thoughts that you might be having. You know, is, is Joe Biden conscious? You know, think about this. The Democrats hate Donald Trump more than they love America. They want to keep their power more than they care about American people. And they put up Joe Biden to run against him. I watched a video. I watched a video this morning with, uh, with Biden and I'll talk about it. Cause I'm going to play it some audio from it. I almost feel sorry for the guy. I'm looking at him, looking at him in front of the camera. I almost feel sorry for this guy. This guy is in no, no condition to be running for president. No condition whatsoever. So anyway, uh, before I go further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there's a ton of great opportunities in real estate right now, uh, if you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you're, uh, if you're interested in in uh, trying to own another piece of property, or if you're interested in refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you're over 62 and you want to look into this fantastic 
tool called a reverse mortgage. And believe me, I've got more people that are so happy they have a reverse mortgage now because things that 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 come up beyond your control, it just gives you some flexibility in what you're what you do with your money. It gives you some flexibility to make some to make some some uh, U-turns and some some hard ninety-degree turns when life throws something at you, you weren't expecting. You know, even if even if you don't need it, it just makes those things of makes those things possible. If you're interested in finding out, 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's so personal, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, and click on the Summit Funding logo, which is uh, just a little bit below the beginning when you open the page. Just arrow down a little bit, click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my fun, to my lending page. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear either hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. I will probably bring up some some ideas you hadn't thought of and some options that you hadn't thought of, or I'll give you the reality of how life is. Uh, but rates are great. Rates are great. And they seem to be uh, drifting lower. I always tell people, hey, when, when you see things on the news, rates are getting bad. They move up really fast. When you see things on the news that the bond market is get is is creating lower interest rates, they drift down really slow. So they drift down. So what happens today may you may see over the next three or four days, but it's not going to happen today because the lenders are going to are going to just make sure it's just not a fluke. Before we pass it on to the consumer, we're just going to make sure not give give the 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 store away and uh, make sure that it's it's going to hold. Um, so so again. Uh, go to edhoffman.net, click on the summit funding logo, fill in the information, tell us how much you want back, how much information you want back. And we will get back to you, whether that's by email or text or, or telephone calls, or maybe you're doing it on your, on your boss's time and you don't want them to hear your personal information. So uh, then you tell us what time to call back and we'll call you back. Uh, if you hear something on the show, you want repeated also on edhoffman.net, you can click on the podcast page hear this show as well as well as several past shows and you can uh, download them on uh, demand. So if uh, the radio isn't the play in the time that you can listen at Hoffman.net, you can also get podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your podcast listening device, whether that's your, your phone or your iPod or your iPad or your droid or your computer, whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on. Um, and you can listen and it'll download once a week. Uh, so we upload on, fr- I record on Friday mornings. So we upload usually Friday afternoon, Friday evening. So it's there uh, the day before and you can hear it on demand anytime you want. We also blast it out on social media as well. You can follow me on social media at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And the Facebook page for the main event is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. So anyway, let's get to what's going on. So uh, you have, so you're fully fully aware of what's going on in this country, in my opinion, my, uh, my perception of it. The governors in at least 43 states have enforced restrictions to ban gatherings and close businesses, shutting down the economy and hurting livelihoods of many Americans. Unemployment has skyrocketed with 26 million Americans filing for unemployment in the month of April. Over the past week, there were demonstrations in at least 30 states to protest the governor-imposed orders. Let's hear from some of those protesters. It's going to run its course regardless of whether or not we stay open or shut. We understand the need to take care of each other, but we also understand the need to keep the economy going. I'm brave enough to go to work and I'm brave enough to, you know, be near my fellow humans. When was the last time you got your debt, your teeth cleaned? You know that's disease too? 
Yeah, it's apparently uh, you got some people that have a reasonable reasonable intelligence there that are bringing up good points. And uh, the more I watch things, the more I have to agree with them. But here's the biggest race baiters on TV, MSNBC's Joy Reid and her guests. Here's what they're saying about the protesters. What is it that they're trying to channel here? Is this, is this sort of neo-confederacy? And what the hell does that have to do with a pandemic? America first is a phrase that was used by Charles Lindbergh and the, the Nazi sympathizers uh, in 1939, 1940, 41. It became President Trump's uh, rallying cry. When I look at these protests, what I see are a bunch of white people essentially saying, oh, it's affecting those people. So why do I have to change my life? It's not that hard, unfortunately, to, to turn a health crisis into a racial ethnic crisis. I think that what they're saying quite clearly, when you see the numbers, when you see the statistics, when you see the CDC data is, I want more black and brown people to die. Right? That, that can't, if you want the government to open up, then you want more black and brown people to die. Yeah. How do you know? She's, it's it's easy, easy to turn a... Uh, a big crisis into a racial crisis. All you got to do is turn on the MSNBC and you'll see it. I don't know. And what does Charles Lindbergh have to do with uh, racism? America first. We were, he represented America when he was the first one to cross the Atlantic or uh, actually fly around the world, wasn't it? And uh, in, uh, in a plane. And then it was, uh, and then, you know, you could say Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was the first man to step on, uh, step on the moon and plant the American flag, him and Buzz Aldrin. Uh, was that racist too? Because it was America first. I don't understand the the I don't understand the correlation here to the disease and race. I think it's more about age than it is race. Because I don't think I don't think black people or brown people are any more susceptible to this thing than white people are. I think it's a uh, older older people and people with health problems are the ones that are more susceptible. President Trump has uh, shown support for the protesters and uh, has said he supports the governors who want to begin reopening their states on or before May 1st. People feel that way. You're allowed to protest. I mean, they, they feel that way. Some governors have gone too far. Some of the things that happened are uh, maybe not so appropriate. And I think in the end, it's not going to matter because we're starting to open up our states. So what kind of governor overreach is he talking about? In Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer who is believed to be uh, auditioning for the role of Joe Biden's running mate, has been uh, quite creative when it comes to wielding her authority. Whitmer's in intensive stay-at-home orders include banning garden stores from selling seeds for fruit and, ve and vegetable plants. She calls that non-essential. I know, eating eating is non-essential. You want to grow your own, your own tomatoes, or your own uh, apple trees or lemon trees, that's not essential. Preventing home improvement stores from selling certain products, including welcome mats. Well, you know what? If you drive past Home Depot or Lowe's, those places are are open and people are walking in there and buying stuff because people are building stuff. They're building stuff outside. They're, uh, they're open for business. But you're not allowed to, to put welcome mats in front of your door because that's not essential. Eh, I think it's – I think – People are getting a taste of what of what uh, government control is st starting to feel like. Forbidding residents from traveling within the state to their vacation homes. That's BS. Okay, so I'll tell you that uh, Don and I have two vacation homes, one in Mammoth and one in uh, Bullhead City by the river and by Laughlin. And I can tell you that we just got back from 12 days at our place at the river. I recorded from there last week. 
And uh, had I not had a doctor's appointment, we might still be there. And because uh, if you're going to stay in your home and stare at your computer screens, you can be just about anywhere you want. And uh, and but it was a different uh, a different uh, scenery for for Don. So that was good. And it's it's nice out there. Arizona is not as crazy as California out there. And uh, I'll tell you, the more time I spend in Arizona, the more nauseating California is becoming. So uh, but but, you know, they're not they're not letting people go to their vacation homes. Now, I also talked to. Uh, my realtor friend in uh, Mammoth Lakes, who has said that uh, the people in Mammoth Lakes are not very welcoming to people that don't live there full time just because they don't have the facilities if a bunch of people get sick. But I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, and I talked about this last week, so I won't go on on there. And uh, closing golf courses. Here's the other thing that she did. She's closing golf courses, the only place where you can easily recreate six feet apart from each other. Um, I know that golf courses in California, I think, just opened last week. Um, But in Michigan, no way. So all these activities are non-essential. But guess what is essential in her eyes? Abortion, of course. Here's Gretchen Whitmer in her own words. You know, we we stopped elective surgeries here in Michigan, and some people have tried to say that that type of a um, procedure is considered the same, and that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, a woman's health care, her whole future, her d- ability to decide if and when she starts a family is is um, not an election. It is a fundamental to her life. Uh, it is life-sustaining. Yeah, life-sustaining. Ask that baby that they're killing if that's life-sustaining to that baby. Um, and you know what? Here's I, I have to I have to bring this up. Um, who gets to choose when they start a family? I know my mom told told uh, told uh, told us all our lives about you know that uh, that my sister was a was a was an accident. You know that they got that she got pregnant on my oldest sister, the the Democrat in Pennsylvania. She was an accident. They kind of planned my brother and me, and then of course my younger sister. She was an accident because they weren't sure they wanted to have a fourth kid yet. But you know what? Uh, we don't get to plan those things. That's God's job. And uh, and I can say. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't, I can't tell you that any of my kids were were planned and uh, they just happen. And, you know, life throws curveballs. Hey, do we plan this this coronavirus thing that we're all going to sit at home? No, but life threw it at us and we're dealing with it. So uh, speaking of surgeries, Gavin Newsom has a big announcement. Listen up, Californians. But I am ready today to make the following announcement. Uh, we are in a position today uh, to begin to pull back uh, and lean in uh, by beginning to schedule surgeries once again uh, throughout not only our hospital system, but our broader healthcare delivery system. Well, I didn't realize that surgeries were not happening for important surgeries. So what he's talking about, we're going to let cancer surgeries and heart surgeries, you know, those kind of things. I didn't know that we stopped those. And they're talking about what, what is still not approvable. What's still not, they're not ready to open up is hip and knee replacements and back surgeries and that kind of stuff, which, which are elective surgeries, unless you're in pain, uh, unless you're the person that's got a, that you can't move because your, your hip is grinding bone on bone or your knee is, um, I didn't realize that we stopped those completely. So I'm wondering what sense this makes. Oh, yeah, those aren't life-sustaining. Well, unless you're the patient. And, of course, it's, uh, it's an act of God to get, uh, to get uh, 
uh, pain medication uh, prescribed. So uh, I don't know what the so well you can't have uh, you can't have pain pills and you can't have your surgery to fix it so you don't have pain so uh, you know it's we'll we'll wait till the governor says it's okay. Attorney General Bill Barr has a message for governors. Uh, some of you are bordering on illegal activity now. Listen real careful because this is kind of quiet. Bill Barr is not a bold speaker, but listen to what he's saying. The idea that you have to stay in your house is, is disturbingly close to house arrest. I'm not saying it wasn't justified. I'm not saying in some places it might be still justified. But it's very onerous, as is shutting down your livelihood. So these are very, very uh, burdensome uh, impingements on liberties. And if you adopted them, we have to remember, for the limited purpose of slowing down the spread. Yeah, so we're trying to slow down the spread, and you got to be uh, you got to put everything in perspective. But if you ask AOC, she says there's only one thing to do if you disagree with your state reopening. Just don't go back to work. I think when we talk about this idea of reopening society, you know, only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that uh, the just say no. Wasn't that Nancy Reagan? Just say no. That was her campaign as the first lady. Uh, Just say no to drugs. Now there's a now the, the country has evolved so much. Now just say no means I'm not going back to work. Can you believe the morons that we elected to Congress? I hope the people of Queens, New York, have enough have enough intelligence that they remember all the jobs they lost when she when she pushed away Amazon from opening a corporate office in their in their in New York City in uh, Queens. Um, I hope their I hope their uh, their memories are long enough so they just say no to AOC. And I hope the people in in uh, Minnesota and Michigan just just say no to. Uh, to the two Muslim uh, ladies, uh, Elon Omar, who's clearly anti-American, and Rashida Tlaib as well. And I hope that the people of uh, of uh, Burbank just say no to Adam Schiff. And I hope the people of uh, San Francisco just say no to Nancy Pelosi. So, and there's a whole bunch of others I could name, but I'm running out of time um, for this. But I wanted to I wanted to talk about before we finish up this half. You know, and as I'm looking at all these things, and I'm wondering who I can believe. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Cuomo was coming on TV and talking about how many people died in New York. And on that particular day, it was 777 people died of coronavirus that day in New York. So I looked up the the statistics and uh, how many people died because no one's hearing about people dying of drug overdoses or or suicides or murders or gunshots or uh, car accidents. So we're not hearing about that anymore. So I looked up the statistics. Um, there's 160 people a day die, uh, die every day in the city of New York. New York City, not the state of New York. So when seven, seven, 777 die in, in the state, it's probably because we're not hearing about everything's if during the coronavirus, everything's coronavirus. As long as we're in the, the quarantine, everybody who dies is that. Let's talk about California. California. 650 people a day die of all causes in the state of California, month in, month out, month in, month out, month in, month out. 
Someone, uh, some, they said in New York City, every 9.1 seconds, there's somebody dies, and every 4.4 seconds, there's a new baby born. So let's try to keep things in perspective, guys, because this stuff is all a bunch of delusion, distraction, uh, BS. Anyway, hey, I'm all out of time with this for this half of the, of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, and commercials, and I will be right back with you with the rest of everything that's going on. Welcome back to part two of the main event. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and uh, financing on the radio because I think you guys think it's boring and not as fun to listen to as uh, the politics that's affecting all of our lives day in, day out. But I also think a lot of you probably don't even know you're in the market for uh, refinancing, purchasing, or reverse mortgages. And the interest rates are fantastic right now. Uh, if you want to find out about refinancing or if you want to talk about buying a house, you know, your uh, purchasing power goes up as the interest rates go down. And especially as people are sitting on the sidelines, not shopping. So there's less competition out there. So people that are, uh, have been shopping and then stopped and they go, well, I've been shopping and I've been writing offers, but I keep getting outbid. Now's the time, but get pre-qualified first. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the summit funding logo and we'll do it the computer way. So, uh, so before the break, we were talking about all the all the illusions going on with uh, the government shutdowns, and uh, and the people want to go back to work. Well, some people do, except for the Democrats and the and the, of course the uh, the uh, the millennials. And of course, um, if you hear some people on some people, you know what? I was listening to Mark Cuban on TV uh, this morning on uh, on Fox talking about how we need to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars because uh, we need to. You know, and Mark Cuban says a lot of intelligent stuff. I agreed with him. Hey, we should be spending our our tax money to give to the employers and let them distribute to their employees. You know, hey, we'll we'll loan the money to the corporations and let them pay their employees, and that's a that's a prerequisite to getting the money. And they have to pay it back, and they'll pay it back because their their businesses will still be intact. But today he said that we need to do the stop doing this top down thing, and we need to give all the money to the people at the bottom so they can spend it but they won't spend it till after they get done with the quarantine. So I don't know. I don't know. Where's the, uh, where's the logic here? I'm not sure. So, uh, so let's talk about this new funding bill. Um, so the funding bill was passed this week, uh, starting in the Senate on Tuesday and in the house on Thursday, nearly $484 billion coronavirus phase 3.5 relief bill was passed on, uh, in a voice vote after an agreement with the white house. And of course, uh, Donald Trump signed it into law. I don't really think he has, much of a choice. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, he's, he's in, he, whether he likes the bill or he doesn't like a bill, it's kind of in this uh, situation, too many people, uh, too many people are, are a little bit freaky on this. Um, so he, he had to pass it. Um, and it's, and it's, this one's probably makes more sense than the $2 trillion one they did a couple of weeks ago, but to make sure governors couldn't use their funding as a blank check to re, to reverse their own bad decisions and budget deficits, like the state of California and the state of New York and all these other places that have been mismanaging their own funds. Mitch McConnell pushed for carefully crafted legislation, but because the Democrats love blank checks, Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi called it delaying the bill. 
we were very pleased that he finally came around to the, the fact that we had to go forward with this. Uh, so he was the one wasting time. I say that because I keep hearing him say, uh, we delayed, no, he delayed. But here we are, and we're ready to go on to the next bill to help our, our heroes. Yeah, it's, uh, he finally came around. You know, he's he's making sure we don't just dump cash out of the uh, out of the the treasury or print print cash for just no no uh, valid use, which is what the Democrats like to do. But when Pelosi and uh, Schumer delayed, it was because they wanted twenty five million dollars for the Kennedy Center, and uh, the Kennedy Center just uh, rebated five million of that back to the Democrat National Committee. So uh, they're extorting money. McConnell's trying to make sure that we're not we're not letting money get extorted. Here's what the latest round of legislation says. It has 310 billion to keep paycheck protection program going. This includes 60 billion for smaller banks and community lenders, I assume for them to lend out, and another 60 billion for small business loans and grants. 75 billion for hospital relief. Hospital relief. Are the hospitals really needing relief? Cuz based on what I'm seeing and based on what I'm hearing, hospitals aren't really doing anything are they paying their are they still paying their their doctors um i don't know that the hospitals pay the doctors i think the insurance companies pay the doctors but the doctors aren't doing surgeries so uh they need hospital relief i don't know maybe there's some big hospitals that are promising uh, big donations back to the democratic national committee 25 billion for nationwide virus testing uh yeah Testing, testing, testing. Testing, testing, testing. Very important. Uh, the next bill was about masks, 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 so that we can test, test, test. Testing, testing, testing. Mask, mask, mask. Ventilators, ventilators, ventilators. Yeah, I think uh, I think testing. They're testing people with no with that don't have any any uh, symptoms. We're testing everybody, and I don't think all these tests are actually coming up. They're giving false positives and false negatives at some times. But the fact that we're testing everybody means that it's scaring everybody. And this is why everybody's so crazy now, because all these people have it. Most people don't ever feel it. They had it. You know, they get they have very mild signs or no signs. And and it just it just goes away at some point. Um, the people that are, the people that are important are the older people that are more susceptible to these things. And, uh, who else is against the latest bailout? Senator Rand Paul, who himself just recovered from coronavirus. Here he is on the Senate floor Tuesday. No amount of money, not all the money in China will save us from ourselves. If you print up billions of dollars and give it to people, they're unlikely to spend it until you end the quarantine. The question before us isn't do nothing or print endless amounts of bailout cash. So today I rise in opposition to spending $500 billion more. The virus bailouts have already cost over $2 trillion. Our annual deficit this year will approach $4 trillion. We can't continue on this course. No amount of bailout dollars will stimulate an economy that is being strangled by quarantine. But you could give everybody in the country $12,000 and it wouldn't end this recession. That is correct. Common sense, common sense, common sense. Logic, logic, logic. Open eyes, open eyes, open eyes. Brain turned on, brain turned on, brain turned on. I try to use those, uh, everything in triplicate so uh, Nancy Pelosi can can understand it. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that she listens to my show, but I think maybe she should. 
Uh, so anyway, the, the media has stuck close to the narrative that the president ignored early warning signs and is now solely responsible for the epidemic. This week, they got a big dose of the truth when uh, the tr- one of the true breakout stars in the United States Congress, Dan Crenshaw, the Navy SEAL from uh, Texas, made a hard-hitting video on the myths versus the facts on the president's COVID-19 response. You're being bombarded right now with these really over-the-top accusations against the president, that he's got blood on his hands, that his denial and delay has cost lives, and that basically he took no action until it was too late. The question is, is any of this true? All right, let's start back in January. January 15th, the first patient with coronavirus enters the United States from Wuhan. That was also the same day that these impeachment pens were being handed out. But luckily, the administration was on top of it. A couple of days later, January 17th, they were already implementing screenings at San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York airports for flights coming in from Wuhan. But still, even about a week later, our mainstream media was still promoting things like this. Doctors saying, hey, this isn't a big deal. Not much more dangerous than the flu. Nevertheless, President Trump did implement that travel restriction on January 31st, even though things like the World Health Organization were saying no need to limit trade and movement. And they largely criticized President Trump's travel restrictions. Same day, January 31st, that Nancy Pelosi proposed the No Ban Act which would actually stop President Trump from implementing the life-saving travel restrictions that he did implement. Because no matter what Trump does, the Democrats, the Democrats feel it's their duty to the country to oppose it, whether it's whether it's something good or it's something bad. Well, the no ban act, he can't ban people from traveling here. It's 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 ridiculous. Now let's talk about the Democrats, the ones who claim they're sounding the alarm before the president. You probably uh, seen Pelosi on your TV week this week saying things like this. The president has made many mistakes. Leaders take responsibility. So I said he's a weak leader, he doesn't take responsibility. He places blames blame on others. And that might have been okay for before, but we cannot continue down a path uh, that is, again, I'll come back to science, 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 evidence, data uh, on how we could go forward. Yeah, well, she, she left out a few things. Wash their hands, wash their hands, wash their hands regularly and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate all the time. Science, science, science. Yeah, she's uh, she has to keep in her triplicates there. Here's the facts that, as told by Grand, uh, by, by Dan Crenshaw from the video I played earlier. Adam Schiff, the uh, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, was getting regular updates in that committee. But he didn't even publicly talk about coronavirus until February 25th. And let's not forget that President Trump did talk about the coronavirus in the State of the Union on February 4th. What happened to that State of the Union? That happened. So fast forward a couple of weeks when the president actually asked Congress for supplemental funding to combat the virus, two and a half billion dollars. What did Nancy Pelosi do? Instead of putting that money on the House floor to be voted on, she put a bill to ban flavored tobacco. That was the priority of the Speaker of the House. You also hear a lot of criticism for Trump being overly optimistic. But this is what Nancy Pelosi was saying in late February, telling people to go out and enjoy themselves for the Chinese New Year. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. Same with Bill de Blasio in New York City. Yeah, they're all I have to say Pelosi. Pelosi is the weak leader, weak leader, weak leader, moron, moron, moron. And, uh, you know, she's trying to she's trying to point point the finger at Trump being the weak leader. But he's actually been the only one who's who seems to be keeping calm and keeping uh, focused on everything. And I'm talking about everything, everything that's going on in this country and around the world. And and uh, I frankly, I feel bad for him.
you know, cause he looks, he's starting to look a little tired, but you know, a couple of days later, he's, he's back full of energy again. Can't get enough Dan Crenshaw. Me either. Here he is schooling Bill Maher this week on the real time with Bill Maher on HBO. This is, he's uh, schooling him about what happened in February and March. Your criticism appears to be based in one thing that Trump was overly optimistic. That's his style. You know, again, I, you can criticize it. That's fine. But it doesn't, but it's not connected to the actions that were actually taken. Because if I back up even further, you know, February 14th, CDC announces ongoing work with five laboratories to perform community-based influenza surveillance and study the spread of the virus. We're, we're trying, we're in a fact-finding mode in February. People forget this. We People were keep calling the, February this lost month. The world it's really not. There's just, it, that's an easy and cheap accusation because there's no big, bold moves taken like there was in January or like there was in March. But the reality is our government was working to create that test. Now, did they work as fast as we would have liked? No, of course not. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which I, I'm happy to go into. By March 3rd, there was only 102 cases in the United States. And yet I'm hearing criticism that we should have been locked down weeks earlier. But would you think the American people would have accepted that with only 100 cases in the United States? Italy didn't lock down until March 10th. Spain, not until March 14th. UK, not until later in March. Places like Sweden's never locked down. And so I, I just, I, I provide all of that context as we try to basically accuse this man of, of, uh, of well, he's being accused of having blood on his hands. And, and context is so important here. Well, it is. And also, it's not just about being optimistic. It's about being right. The world was aware of this. And since when does America take its lead from Italy and Spain? Uh, well, because those were those are where the outbreaks were happening. I understand. Right? Well, I'm pointing it out again, again for context. But if, if we're going to criticize somebody's actions, we have to do it in the context of the facts they knew at the time. And so I just I'm just trying to be fair here that I don't really care about defending him or his actions. I just care about letting people know well, the truth. And when people make these accusations, I have to ask them a question. Is the goal to make Trump look better or is the goal to get to the truth? Because there's two different sets of answers for that. Exactly. So if you're thinking about, oh, well, you know what? Hey, you know, you, you look at the difference. Hey, let's let's look at the truth. Let's look at what happened. Let's look at what actually happened. And if you were the president, if you were the president of your company, if you were if you were in charge of anything, you make decisions based on what you see and you make decisions. You know, if everybody looked at what's happening right now. Not just what you hear on the news, but if you drive around to the hospitals, if you talk to doctors, if you talk to what's go what's going on, would we have shut down the whole economy, or would we say, hey, if you're if you're over sixty or if you're over seventy or if you're over whatever, you need to be concerned about that. You need to be protecting yourself, and you need to be you probably need to stay out of public places, and you probably need to not be in crowds. You need to be uh, you know need to be uh, uh, I'm looking for the word. You just need to be conscious of 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 yourself and your, if you, I, I mean, I have asthma, so I'm, I'm a little bit, my, my, my family keeps saying, Hey, you know, you're one of these people that should be careful. Okay. But you know, I'm other than that, I'm, I'm fairly healthy, but you know, if, if you're in your eighties, if you're in your seventies, if you're, if you're uh, got a immune deficiency, anything, if you've got a, uh, emphysema, if you got any, any kind of things, any kind of uh, health issues, you need to be more conscious of it. And do we need to lay off all these millennials? Probably not. Do we need to close down the schools? Well, the only thing I, the only thing I, I point out about the schools is most people that have little kids find out they're all getting sick more often because little school, the little kids, uh, take their, take their, uh, their colds and their, uh, flu, flu bugs and take them to school, spread them to the other kids. And then they bring them home to uh to the whole family so but i mean in general do we need to go this far 
I don't think so. I don't think so. And I've, you know, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm uh, adjusting to it, but I think everybody needs to just chill out and get, try to get back to normal. And I know when we get back to normal, it's going to be not quite the same as what it was. I think people will be going back to work and they'll probably still be wearing masks if they're depending on what you do. And I think, uh, there'll be less people walking into my office, uh, and people will be sitting at their desk and trying to keep a little bit of distance in between, in between themselves. And we'll probably still have less face-to-face meetings with our clients. Um, and we'll probably have, and we'll probably, uh, just, we probably won't be, be, uh, shaking hands quite as often as we used to. And we'll probably be, uh, focusing on what we touch. I mean, uh, Don and I go to the movies at the mall and we, we park and then we drive and then we walk down the escalators. And, uh, when I get on the escalator, I grab onto the handles and, but my wife never touches them. She goes, I'm not touching those things. You see all these little kids in here and you know how many, how, you know, what kind of germs are on that, on that. And that's her normally. Am I going to be more conscious of that? Absolutely. Will everybody else be more conscious of that? Absolutely. Will it go back to how it was? Probably not, but it needs to get a lot closer to what it is. There's, there's no need. There's no need. There's, there's a, a need for us to be prudent. There's not a need for us to be fanatic. I mean, and this is, and this is just dumb and people go, Oh, just say no to going back to work. That's bull. You know, the, the country will never get back if we take that, take that. And the more money we pay people for sitting at home, the harder it is to get them to go back to work. So I hope that when this thing, when this, when we start going back to work, that they cut the unemployment benefits. They cut the, whatever they added to unemployment benefits. They were talking about an extra 600 a week that needs to go away when we have the full go to go back to work. And, uh, and those companies that, that took, uh, took, uh, paycheck protection programs and didn't f- suffer anything. Those need to get paid back. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And the, and the media and the Democrats are getting together and trying to make, make it into something. It's not. So, uh, let's see. Uh, so when, and then talk about, uh, Trump also did a 60 day immigration halt this week. Um, or, Hey, we're not taking any immigrants into the country for 60 days. And of course, uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's the exact opposite of Dan Crenshaw, as far as being a man and being, uh, having common sense and, uh, doing anything that's admirable. He was wrong when he tweeted out that profanity laced rant about affecting the seasonal workers who pick our vegetables because the ban completely exempts, uh, temporary workers. And of course, anybody who's here legally doesn't get, doesn't, it doesn't affect them, but that didn't stop one reporter from trying to trip up the president in a briefing on Tuesday. Are immigrants who are already in the country, uh, are they at greater risk of deportation based on this order? I don't think that, I don't think so. They're not supposed to be here. You're saying they're here illegally? Is that what you're saying? Well, for example, if an immigrant is here for a court order, right, uh, are they at risk of deportation well, based on order, this? Then you have to go to court. So then the judge would make a determination as to whether or not they're going to be staying. But if they have a court order, they won't have to leave until they go through that process. So we'll see what happens. What an idiot. Well, where do they get these, these people that they call journalists? You know, it's a, uh, well, if, uh, if someone's here for a court order, is that gonna, is, is that gonna make the, are they still going to get deported? Well, if they're here for the, for a court order, how can we deport them? They're supposed to show up at court. Well, if you're here with a temporary visa, are you going to get deported? Well, if you've got a, if you're here legally with a temporary visa, then why would you get deported? The, the government already approved you to be here. Yeah, but what if, but what if, but what if, you know what? It's amazing the 
the stuff that we that we subject our president to having to answer questions like that. Unlike the Democrats in Congress, the White House refuses to let China off the hook for their part in releasing the pandemic in the first place. Here's Secretary Mike Pompeo. We strongly believe that the Chinese Communist Party did not report the outbreak of the new coronavirus in a timely fashion to the World Health Organization. That's why we continue to insist this is an ongoing requirement for transparency and openness. It censored those who tried to warn the world. It ordered a halt to testing of new samples and it destroyed existing samples. The CCP still has not shared the virus sample from inside of China with the outside world, making it impossible to track the disease's evolution. So you'd think if China was really our friend, they'd say, hey, this thing got out of control. Here's some samples so you guys can protect yourselves. But no, that didn't happen. So speaking of China, Joe Biden released a whopping 90-second ad this week to show America he's tough on China, something that's hard to believe considering he helped his son, Hunter, make a $1.5 billion deal with China in exchange for influence over America's foreign policy. When he was vice president, that was only six years ago. But forget about that, Biden. Forget about that, Joe Biden. This Joe Biden is the one who refuses to roll over for the Chinese. Biden told Trump he should insist on having American health experts on the ground in China. I would be on the phone with China and making it clear. We are going to need to be in your country. You have to be open. You have to be clear. We have to know what's going on. But Trump rolled over for the Chinese. He took their word for it. Trump praised the Chinese 15 times in January and February as the coronavirus spread across the world. Yeah, Joe Biden told Trump, I think he was yelling it at a debate. And of course, the louder you yell, the more intelligent you are. This is also Joe Biden who can't remember the name of the Defense Production Act, which is the very act Trump is using right now to get masks and ventilators made. Um, you know, there's a uh, during World War Two, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the World War Two. He had the war the, the War Production Board. Yeah, the War Production Board. I think it was the uh, Defense Protection Act. Uh, he's also the Joe Biden who says things like this. We cannot let this, we've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through to the pandemic of 17, all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy take second fiddle. When the civil, from the Civil War to the pandemic of 17 or 16, is he talking about this 2019 or is he talking about the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918? What the hell was he talking about? Uh, almost it's, it's almost scary. He's also the Joe Biden who subjected America this week to seeing another vice president that we'd rather forget about Al Gore. We need policy changes. Uh, and that means we need to change some of the policy makers, particularly the one in the white house right now. And, and that's why I am so proud to endorse your candidacy joe yeah and if you see the video there it's almost you almost feel sorry for joe sitting there like he's uh, struggling to stay awake and al gore is is spreading out his his propaganda and finally he's the joe biden who's uh, set a pretty low bar for when it comes to picking a vice president of his own the first and most important quality is someone who if i were walked away immediately from the office for whatever reason that they could be president and i know how it worked with barack and me he told me at the time was pick someone who has some background or some competence that may not be your strong point to make sure that you're able to make up for each other's weaknesses 
Did he just say if he walked away immediately from the presidency? If I ever, for some reason, walked away immediately, uh, they could be president. Uh, that sounds peculiar to me. Maybe they got something else. It also reminds me of a of a clip from the movie uh, the the con- the contender, the same movie I opened up with. Let's hear this little clip. What would you do or have done in my case? Well, when the president asks you to jump. It's pretty hard not to jump, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, but you remember what Ben Franklin said about the vice presidency. No, I don't remember. What, what did he say? I didn't talk to him. <laughs> he said he ought to be addressed as your superfluous excellency. Remember? <laughs> you know, in the past 10 years, I've enjoyed the kind of power that the vice presidency can offer. I mean, why would anybody want to give that up? Am I crazy? Baby, power is where power goes. Yeah, why would someone want to give up being a senator to be the vice president? Because the senator has much more power. And the vice president, his superfluous, his superfluous excellency means basically you're unneeded extra, extra people in, on board. You're really not there for anything. And I'm really not uh, insulting Mike Pence, but think about, think about, uh, you know, unless you make a name for yourself while you're in there, you're really just a, a, a fifth wheel out there. Uh, just waiting, just in case something happens to the president, just in case the, there's a tie in the in the Senate, just in case, just in case, just in case, and whatever the president does. And if you think about when Joe Biden was vice president, what was he known for uh, besides extorting money from the Ukraine and China uh, to get back to his family and stick it in his pocket? Uh, think about when he stuck his head in uh, Barack Obama's ear when they were passing uh, Obamacare saying, this is a big effing thing. And uh, caught on a on a on a hot mic. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. You guys stay safe out there. Keep your eyes open, and uh, uh, I'm always happy to hear from you when you uh, give me your opinion on on stuff that I say. Keep your eyes open. Go to the doctor when you need to, and uh, I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.